Welcome to Season 4 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am Catherine McPhail, your host. I'm an architect practicing in Eastern Massachusetts. In past seasons, we've covered all sorts of subjects with the intention of helping homeowners who may never have been involved in a renovation before and they felt like they needed to know what they were doing. We've built up over 100 episodes on everything from roofing to foundations, heard many renovation stories, and learned how to hire various professionals. This season, we'll be focusing even more on the challenges of renovating old houses while incorporating new technologies using my own new house as a case study. We'll have all sorts of different guests, most having to do with what I'm just calling the next level of renovations. Now that you've got these 100 plus episodes under your belt, I think you're ready. In this episode, my guest is Dennis Stinson from Fujitsu. Dennis and I spoke about HVAC back in March of 2021, episode 42. In this episode, we're talking about the smart aspects of a Fujitsu system or a heat pump system. I'm excited to be having two of these systems installed in my house this month. We talked about some of my concerns. Uh, We talked about maintenance, energy efficiency, the importance of developing relationships with subcontractors who can help you out in an emergency, whether you really need a backup system for your heat pump system, and more. I hope you get a lot out of this discussion with Dennis. Well, welcome back, Dennis. Thanks for coming on again. It's been a couple of years, maybe. Yeah, it, it has been a little bit of time. So thank you very much for having me back. It's always a pleasure to come back and spend time with you. Well, guess what I'm installing in my new house or new to me house? Well, since you said it that way, I would say heat pump. Heat pump and a Fujitsu heat pump as well. Outstanding. A, duct, a ducted system in the attic and a ducted system in the basement. Hopefully that's coming soon because it's already getting cold. But anyway, it'll be here. I'm sure it'll be fine. So what's new in the world of home heatings? You've written about the smart home technology, and that's one of the things I'm working on in my house. Yeah, so smart can mean a couple of different things, right? So smart can be from the technology side that we are looking at heat pumps that are inverter-driven. And to get a little geeky with it, that means that we're converting AC to DC and just uh, ramping up and down the uh, components on the inside. But Really what that transfers to is that the system is judging how much heat or cooling you need in your property and ramping up or down to match that need. And because it ramps up or down, it's extremely comfortable. And that's the most important thing, but that it's also very extremely efficient uh, at the same time. So think of it a lot as like a cruise control for your car, that you're setting the temperature in a typical HVAC system is all on or all off, all on and all off overshooting and undershooting your comfort level, where with a Fujitsu system, an inverter system, it is ramping up and down uh, so that it's being able to match uh, what the load is. So that's one definition of smart. And another definition of smart is, is that we have the ability to do zoning. So that means, Catherine, that we can zone different parts of our house. So if we're downstairs watching a movie at nighttime, we don't necessarily have to condition all the bedrooms or the entire house at the same temperature, we can condition the rooms that we're in. So understandably, by only conditioning, heating or cooling, that part that we're occupying, then uh, certainly there's some energy savings to have there. Mm -hmm. And then smart can also mean all the G-Wiz kind of controls that we can use with it as well. So whether that's a wireless remote control or whether that's an app to control our heating and cooling from anywhere in the world or whether that is... The ability to tie in some really cool apps like the If This Then That 
And uh, so it gets certain temperature outside. You can turn on your heat pump and play White Christmas over your, your uh, Alexa Google or Google <laughs> Alexa. So it's all kind of cool. Wow, that is pretty cool. So are all of your systems, do they all have these or do, do uh, people have to request a certain type of system? So we only make heat pumps. We don't make straight air conditioning anymore. Um, so we only make heat pumps and all of our product is inverter driven. So the mm. first smart, uh, that's the only thing that we sell. It's all smart technology. Okay. The second is, is how it's applied. And that's where a really good HVAC contractor comes in on how do we apply that in terms of zoning the house. And then the third is, is with some of the GWIS technology, um, all of our product is available to use that. So we can, we can get there one way or another, uh, either through Wi-Fi or through a third party control, but we can give you all that. So answer the question is, yeah, you can get all, you can get three times smart with any Fujitsu system. Okay. Well, that's good news. What if you don't have a good HVAC contractor? Is there anything well, you can do to help them yeah, along? Great question. So um, we have a website, FujitsuGeneral.com, uh, and we have a contractor locator there. And we, uh, we recommend contractors. Um, we have a, a couple of different tiers. We have a, a lead contractor, which is a contractor that has done extensive training. Uh, so they're the best of the best. Uh, but then we also have contractors that are trained and contractors that have experience, uh, but maybe not at that level. Um, but I would start by taking a look at our website. Uh, if you're looking at a Fujitsu system, finding a contractor. I would also tell you that, Catherine, I'm, I'm a big advocate of finding a contractor before you need them. So mm -hmm. I think it's important that every homeowner have a relationship with an HVAC contractor, have a relationship with a plumber and a roofer, an electrician. Um, when stuff goes wrong, that's not the time to find the person that advertised best. Uh, uh, yeah. It's best to find them before you need them. You're right about that. We have a relationship where we're building a relationship with the plumber. And this, we bought a 1794 house that is falling apart a little more than we thought. And we thought it was <laughs> a lot. So yesterday, there was this water pouring out underneath the dishwasher. And because we have a relationship with the plumber, he sent somebody over that day. But yeah, you're right. You can't just call around at that time and try to get somebody to come three weeks from now with a... Absolutely. Yep. So that's a good, that's a good point. So from what I understand, it's not going to be a great winter for home heating prices. What do this you know about correct. that? Everything that we are seeing, we are seeing that our cost of fuels are going to increase, uh, whether that be natural gas, whether that be oil, whether that be propane, and even electricity. Um, so really is the time for consumers to spend a lot of time thinking about their home comfort system. Um, mm -hmm. And having that contractor come in and take a look at it and see if it makes sense to make some modifications to it or to make some replacement recommendations. Um, Catherine, I'd also tell you that there are incredible incentives out in the marketplace, and incredible is not too strong of a word, to upgrade a piece of equipment. Again, um, you can go to our website, FujitsuGeneral.com, and there's a spot there where you can uh, enter your zip code, or if you wait long enough, it determines where you are. And then it'll tell you what, nothing creepy about that, it'll <laughs> nope. tell you uh, exactly what what utility you're tied to and what rebates are there and then what piece of equipment we have and how much it is. But now's a really, really good time for consumers to take a look at their HVAC equipment, not only because costs are rising and you buy efficiency up front, but also because the incentives from our government are very strong. And mm -hmm. we're going to continue to see that 
with the Inflation Reduction Act, that is a very, very aggressive program for uh, home efficiency and home equipment uh, upgrades. Okay. Aggressive in that there are big incentives to make your home more efficient. Absolutely. The the uh, from electrical upgrades to equipment replacement so it's it's rewarding it's rewarding consumers to go high efficient if there's an existing house it's a little easier to build it into a new construction but if what are simple energy saving tips that you might have that might enhance energy efficiency in someone's house so there's a so as a consumer there's a couple of things that you can do um, number one is to Consider adjusting the temperature in the rooms that you're occupying and adjusting it when you are not there. Right. So maybe some type of night setback. You don't necessarily have to have the house the same temperature while you're sleeping than you would while you're occupying the whole house. So maybe some type of night setback and adjusting the temperature. And certainly when you leave, adjust the temperature. So just having the temperature appropriate when you're there and occupying it is the right thing to do. And you can do that with Wi-Fi or, or a pretty basic thermostat you can do that with. Yeah. Also maintain the system. So there are some things as a consumer that you can do. And the easiest thing and one of the most important things a consumer do is is change your filters. Mm -hmm. So uh, there will be an air filter somewhere on the air handler. Uh, so update that. Uh, I would do it once a month. If you find that after a couple of months it doesn't look that dirty, then go to every other month. But you should update the filter by not being able to get the right airflow across that you're going to make the equipment work harder. It's not going to get comfortable. It's going to cost you more money, and it'll eventually lead to the equipment failing before it needs to. And then the last is, is once a year, have somebody come in and go over your equipment and clean the outdoor coil, clean the indoor coil, uh, give it the once through, and make sure that it's uh, up and operating. Whatever that charge is, it's going to be well worth the investment to keep your, your equipment clean and operating and um, functioning the way you want it to. Once a year cleaning, so that would be through the HVAC contractor who originally installed Correct. it probably? Okay. And that's a really good way to meet a contractor, right? Because it's in a non-emergency situation. And, and I'm that guy that says that, you know, we've got the Christmas party season coming up. And when the, the conversation gets stale, uh, here's a question for everybody. Ask, who do you use for your HVAC? Who do you <laughs> use for electrical? So ask your friends and family. They're the people that you trust the most. So mm -hmm. find out who they use. And uh, they're the best recommendations when you when you have a satisfied customer. That's a good idea. Gives you something to talk about at these parties Absolutely. coming up. So I'm a little bit nervous about having a air a ducted system because I have animals who shed a lot of hair. It seems like all of a sudden there is a lot of hair up from them in the house. And so until they're no longer with me, how am I going to manage that? So is there should I have it cleaned out more often? If I have I have a, a yellow lab who you know reason people have figured out to make those designer dogs who don't shed is because they shed a lot. And I have these two long haired cats. So this is my life is pet hair. So are there special considerations I should have? I've been hearing kind of horror stories. Well, as a, as an owner of uh, golden retrievers and somebody who will never wear black again in my life, with dog <laughs> hair, I fully understand where you're coming from. So keep in mind that um, air filters are on the return air side of a piece of equipment. Okay. So a good air filter will trap the dog hair, cat hair, animal hair, and dander and our hair um, as it goes into the system prior to getting to the piece of equipment covering the coil. Mm -hmm. So a good air filter um, prior to that is really what you need. And okay. I would take the recommendation of the contractor on whether that's just a standard one-inch pleated filter 
or whether that's a four inch MERV 11, MERV 13 filter, be able to, to check what's going through there. That's a better conversation on, is there allergies in the house? Is there uh, some, some other things that want to be mitigated? Uh, so that's part of a whole indoor air quality conversation with a contractor on where you want to go. Mm-hmm. But just be careful, just throw in a really big heavy duty filter in there because your system may not be designed to handle the additional static pressure or the resistance that a thick filter will do. And that's mm-hmm. where the expertise of a good contractor comes in on, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is what I want to accomplish, this is what I want to do. Okay, that's. Uh, I'll make sure I mention that. I want to go back to temperature setting. So I think the last time, I think it was you that I was talking to that I was surprised to hear that people keep their houses so warm. Uh, some so, do. Some do. Well, so... I usually keep it at 58 at night. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, not cooled, but when it's, you know, the heating season, that's 58 at night and then maybe 66 during the day. Okay. I, uh, I'm not an expert on uh, personal temperature comfort zones, but 58 <laughs> sounds chilly. I'm not going to lie to you. That, yeah. sounds, uh, that sounds cold. Uh, but if that's where you're comfortable and sleeping, I can tell you that... Uh, uh, I think we all sleep better when it's a little chilly and you have a blanket on you. So in mm-hmm. the wintertime, setting temperatures back at nighttime makes good sense. I, I think I'm not a doctor, but I would argue that you sleep better when it's when it's cooler. Supposedly, uh, but certainly yeah. you do save some energy uh, in doing that as well. And then during the day, it's what you're comfortable at. Um, in the wintertime, uh, my house is very comfortable, but in the wintertime, I also expect to be wearing a long sleeve shirt. Uh, because I'll be in and out, letting dogs in and out, um, <laughs> or having a sweater on. So, um, yeah, I obviously keep it cooler in the in the winter and warmer in the summer uh, yeah. for a variety of different reasons. Do you happen to know off the top of your head how much energy you save per degree, up or down? No, I don't. Um, but I but I will tell you this: that there is a coefficient there that um, if you turn it too far down, then the the energy required to catch it back up is um, is more wasteful than keeping it where it was. Mm. So most of the industry settles around a four degree differential. So okay. you set back four degrees or set up four degrees. So in the summertime, you'd set up four and the wintertime, you'd set back four. So four seems to be the right number uh, to run the equipment and maintain efficiency. If you go too far off of that, then you get into the difference between sensible and latent heat. So yeah. we all know what that's like when you you sit down on a couch and it's really warm because it's been in the sun all day mm-hmm. it's going to take a certain amount of energy to to bring that back to a certain temperature so sensible and latent heat does come into it as well okay if you have different zones like you were talking about maybe there's an upstairs zone and a downstairs zone so you could keep the upstairs colder all the time because maybe during the day you're not up as much up there so there's there's different ways that you could maybe keep that temperature from being too extreme but still mm-hmm. saving energy all right Absolutely. Okay. And you can go down the avenue of, you know, if you have rooms that are unoccupied because kids are off to school or kids are up and grown and no longer occupying those rooms. I mean, do you, do you really need to have the fourth bedroom? If there's no guests going to be there for weeks on end, does it really need to be the same temperature as the rest of the house? And the answer mm-hmm. would normally be no, it doesn't have to be. Right. So can you get that small with its zones? How many zones can you have on one in one house? You can do as many as you want. And you really can do as many as you want. Our equipment, um, we have zones that go down as small as 4,000 BTUs and as large as uh, 10 ton. So mm. we could easily do 
each individual bedroom and each individual room if that's what you wanted to do. The reality is, is that there does come an economic point where you, you've sliced the pie so small that it doesn't make sense to do that. So mm-hmm. what most will do is they will do the master bedroom on itself because that's a room that's occupied, will always be occupied as long as somebody's in the house. And then maybe the balance of the bedrooms upstairs are on their own zone. And uh, then downstairs might be one or two zones based on uh, the size and the layout of it. So uh, certainly an upstairs and a downstairs zone makes sense. If you can break it into a master bedroom as a third zone, then that makes even more sense. Hmm. I like to sleep with my windows open. So it seems like, what if I just turned off the heat in my room altogether and just slept with my windows open? Would that be two parts uh, of reheat? No, it depends on the the delta T, right? So it depends on the temperature differential from the outside. Uh, Mm. You could make a strong argument that that's probably very healthy um, because of air exchanges and uh, it depends on where you live. I I live in an area, it's a big agriculture area, so there's a a, uh, cornucopia of smells that will wander into the house. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, But it is, uh, uh, you could argue that it's probably a pretty healthy thing to do. Mm. I live in Massachusetts. Okay. So it's pretty cold, but it isn't as cold as it used to be. I guess it probably, I grew up in a house that was very old and drafty and not well heated. So maybe I'm just used to, like, that's the way I feel like it's okay. Yeah, that's comfortable. In the winter, but um, it should be like a waste of energy to have the heat on in the room when, uh, but you know what I heard about, I mean, this is not your department, but I heard that those steam, the steam radiators in New York City apartments, for example, they were kind of developed during the pandemic of the early 1900s the Spanish this is true. so they, they keep the door so people would keep the window open because it would this get too true. hot that is true this is true it's amazing yes. so if you if you've noticed uh so i and it's kind of how the world comes back around right because over the last two years we just dealt with this um so the conversation was during the pandemic um back in the early 1900s is that they encourage people to uh, not gather, they encourage people to wear masks, and they encourage them to exchange the air in their home. And that meant that you kept your windows open. Um, So if you notice in an older home, and you live in one, that you may very well have a radiator underneath of every window, and it's the width of the window. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much how we did it. When we later came back in, we measured outside walls and uh, stuck baseboard in and did a variety of different things. But back in the day, we every window had a radiator underneath. Which, you know, so then you open the window and all the heat goes out the window, right? Isn't that kind of how that goes? Well, you could make some degree of an argument that there could be an air curtain there. We know oh. that when we walk into some stores that that air that blows on you mm. forces the parts of your hair when you walk in, that's an air <laughs> curtain. So yeah. I don't know whether there's any of that physics going on there or not. But Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought, I didn't know if that was just a rumor or if that was really true. I guess it's no, true. Cold, hard facts. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Have we already talked about the latest home HVAC systems? So we talk, uh, we talk a lot about the inverter technology. And Catherine, it's, it's getting interesting because in the next couple of years, HVAC is going to change pretty dramatically. So the last five years, we saw more change in the last five years than we probably have in the last 30. We're going to see even more changes. in beginning of next year in 2023, we're seeing a watershed event in terms of efficiency changes in ratings. Hmm. So we are changing the way that we are rating the equipment. We're used to terminology called SEER 
and HSPF, and that's ratings for uh, air conditioning and then also for heat pumps. Uh, that testing method has been upgraded, so all of our equipment after the beginning of the year is taking a step forward in terms of its efficiency. So it's again part of our national energy policy. It's been going on since the 70s and the oil embargo and we want to get uh, energy, um, diminish our dependence on foreign energy sources and then also greenhouse effect and then also decarbonization and all the things that we want to embrace. But at the end of the day, it does also mean that we are ending up with more efficient equipment. And that means that we, when we make it more mainstream than through mass production, it brings the cost of it down. So we can all be more efficient mm -hmm. for the same type of money. So it all, it's great the way society works. Um, so at the beginning of the year, we'll have that. And then in two years, we'll be changing our refrigerant. So all the refrigerant that we use today, which is typically our 410A, uh, we'll be changing to different refrigerants and that will be another leap forward with the equipment. So some pretty exciting things happen in the industry. A lot of change happening in the industry. I feel like I should wait until next year to get some my heating system then. It'll be okay. Um, well, if you're buying a Fujitsu system, our equipment is, and I apologize for the cheap plug, but it's what I do for a living. Yeah. Our equipment is so efficient that our equipment does not have to be redesigned to meet the new requirements. Oh, nice. So every piece of equipment we have not only meets today's standards meets tomorrow's standards and also meet the standards in 2025. Oh, great. Well, good. Well, so I guess yeah. I'm, all, I'm all set. I shouldn't worry about that then. Yeah. Oh, one big question I have is there's this kind of controversy about whether or not it is true that they need to have, people need to have a backup system in their house or whether the heat pumps can just manage the loads that it's going to require. So some people say you can be all electric and it's not an issue. Other people say, no, you should keep your boiler with your radiators as just in case. So great question. And I would tell you, Catherine, if we were talking 15 years ago, I would tell you, you couldn't rely on necessarily heat pump as a sole source of heat uh, because the technology at the time, once you dropped below 40 degrees outside, um, it was incapable of, of extracting enough heat from the outside to bring it to the inside. Mm -hmm. So how a heat pump works is it moves heat. So it collects heat from the outside, brings it to the inside and disperses it. What an air conditioner does is take the heat from the inside and moves it to the outside. So a heat pump is just a reverse reversing air conditioner. And it does it through refrigerant from expansion and contraction. In like sixth grade physics, we learned about the three states of matter and energy. So all of that works. The technology wasn't there that once the ambient temperature outside got below 40, that you could do that. So you would have to have some source of backup heat. And typically what was used was backup resistant electric. So they would put, and still do, put coils on the inside. So once the heat was no longer sufficient enough that it would energize these coils and it would create heat. Now that can get expensive. All of that being said, the technology has moved light years ahead. So when we take a look at our product, we have product that's rated to minus 15 degrees in full capacity. So that means that if I buy, for the sake of argument, a 12,000 BTU product, a one ton product, when it's minus 15 degrees, it actually produces about 15,000 BTUs. So it's over what it says. As an educated consumer, 
you have to take a look at that and say, everything's going to be derated based on how cold it is outside. Is the equipment size sufficiently enough to be able to uh, provide heat when it gets cold in the area that we live in? And I can take that one step further is, is we, we work with uh, weatherization charts. We, we call it design temperatures. So we look at the National Weather Service and we come up with a temperature that we need to design to for different regions throughout the country. Obviously, where you are is going to be colder than where I am. Um, but what we say is that you need to design this HVAC system to provide heating based on the load. So we size the house and say, okay, you need two tons of heating when it gets four degrees outside. And I need to provide an HVAC system that's going to give you heat 99% of the time. That's considered the right time frame. So there'll be four moments throughout the year that you'll drop below that design temperature. So 365 days a year, there'll be four moments, 1% uh, of the time that you'll drop below that temperature. It's normally in the middle of the night when you're sleeping and you set your house at 58 anyway. <laughs> so it's, I don't know that it's going to be a, a thing that you're going to notice, but nonetheless, that's how we size it on. So when you get a good HVAC contractor, they should be checking the performance charts and say, I'm going to size this for those four moments uh, so that I have the right piece of equipment in there. Right. But then that brings on the great question that that you then say to yourself if i don't have a piece of equipment that ramps up and down then by definition my equipment is too big 99 percent of the time right. and that's exactly the answer uh, so having zoning having modulation is really the right answer because size the equipment correctly you're oversized 99 percent of the time mm. so it's really not something to worry about it's kind of interesting because a lot of contractors maybe are still in 2007 and don't believe that it can really function on its own, even in very cold weather. I guess those four days a year, what do you do then? It's only four days. Put on another sweater. It's four it's four moments throughout the year. Moments. So just normally moments. so normally what that is is that if you're designing for the sake of argument, you're designing the five degrees outside, maybe on February seventeenth, uh, in the wee hours of the morning it drops something below that. Mm. Um, it's normally there is no normal anymore. Um, but the intent is that it's not a sustained period of time below that. Mm -hmm. So if you dip down, if you dip around that, then you can do that. You can, as a homeowner, say, I want to design beyond my design temperature. Most mm -hmm. homeowners don't get in the weeds that far. No, they don't. I don't think they really understand what's going on. So they rely on the contractors who are telling them maybe old information. So... Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know you said your website a few times, but how yep. can people learn more about what you, all of this, what you do? Well, Catherine, I would say I would direct them to our website, which is fujitsugeneral.com. Okay. And on there, you can learn all about heat pumps. You can learn all about uh, ductless splits or mini splits. We go by a couple of different names. You can look at that, that category of product on there, learn about inverter technology of uh, stuff ramping up and down. You can learn about consumer rebates on there by finding what, what type of incentives are available from your local authorities. And then if you're so moved, you can find a contractor and have them come out and have a conversation with you about what your system looks like and, and what might be a good thing to improve if improvement makes sense. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, Dennis. I appreciate your flexibility uh, coming back on. 
talking to Absolutely. me? Absolutely. I'll have you on in a couple more years. We'll see what's happening. Who knows what's happening We look happening forward to it after you have uh, a couple years under your, under your belt with your new HVAC system. Yeah. And uh, we'll be able to talk firsthand about it. That would be fun. Thank you for listening. And thank you so much for sharing this show with your friends. It is growing all the time. And I really appreciate that. I would love to hear from you if you have anything to say about this episode or past episodes, good or bad, or a suggestion for a new episode. Send me an email at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. Talking Home Renovations with the Housemaven is a proud member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. Check out my other show and all the rest of the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. And until next time, take it easy.